We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. What we talk about when we talk about love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Oh, don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a very contained opening, right? Like we got five characters, arguably four, if you count that Ed was never really in the story per se. <laughs> and who likes He's that anyways? mentioned, yeah. <laughs> but we open yeah. up with Mel, the cardiologist, mid-40s, who uh, there's, there's an interesting quote where they're talking about him having, you know, this cardiologist degree and that sometimes gives him the right of way, which is a perfect segue to talk about this love conversation because each of these characters thinks they have the right of way. They, they think their way is how to interpret love, which is fine. And, and they're trying to almost convince everyone else. No, no, no guys, you don't understand. This is love. Let me explain what love is to you. Right. And and we almost kind of like hit that immediate Carver in like twist with Terry going off about how like, well, okay, I used to be an abusive relationship, right? This guy would beat the crap out of me, but he loved me. Right. And, and it's very easy just to jump to conclusions, to jump to assumptions. And I think that's what Carver is so cool about is how he can invite a reader in to judge almost in a safe space, I would say. Don't you love how Carver takes a real situation and just gives it so much depth? Because we could all be in this situation where we're sitting around with some friends having some drinks, you know, having some deep, good conversation, meaningful conversation that is building a relationship. But there always feels like there's that one person that has to one-up everybody. Then, And I don't know if they need the attention. I don't know if it's just because that's who they are or they are genuinely trying to convince you that they're right. But there's always feels like there's that one person in the group that can be like, no, no, no. I know you think you know, but let me give you the reality of real life. And Carver does this in a genius way with throwing in Ed in this almost like enigma of love is good, love is great. And then Terry says, oh, well, love can be terrible too. Love can be dirty, right? Is, is maybe one way to put it. I don't know the right euphemism there. But like, you know, Nick and uh, Laura... They have like this nonverbal love. It's like a love of man. Convenience sounds like the wrong word, but it's, it's not expressed through language. I guess that's part of, I guess that's part of kind of the point of the story is how language can kind of fail communicating our meaning, but they talk about sentimental love. Uh, at one point there's even like this tension moment where Mel's like, Laura, if Nick wasn't my best friend, you'd be my girl. And there's like, I think it's supposed to be friendship love. At least Nick and Mel have friendship love. I don't know what's going on with Laura. <laughs> it's a very strange because they're all trying to express how they think love works and talk about the different styles of love. And one thing they keep coming back to, I feel like, is that love is something that is physical. And is that just the guy saying that? Or is that the guys trying to convince the girls of that? 
Because I feel like there's a lot of perspective here on what does love mean to an individual. And I think it's kind of Carver being a genius of making it a point that they all have different perspectives and they're trying to, why are they trying to convince each other that theirs is maybe, quote, the right one? Mm. Well, I wonder if you don't have the same method of love, the same method of communication, does that does that prohibit or harm people's ability to connect? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Terry's argument is supposed to be like, oh, but love should be abusive, right? I almost think she's she's pointing out like, hey, guys, I've been in this situation and none of you would ever ask to be in this situation. But regardless, I still found this was love in this situation. Like, like she wasn't pushing for it, but I think she was almost playing devil's advocate a little bit. Because, because let's let's also let's let's put this on the table. Carver writes dirty realism, right? Agreed. And if we're going to discuss it, some people see themselves like they talk about literature being the art of the mundane. Okay, that's that's a funny way of putting it, but 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 people <laughs> see themselves in these characters, and that's okay, and that's okay to talk about those situations. And just when I'm talking about these characters, doesn't mean I'm talking about you the reader, you might see parts of yourself, but we're in a very limited world there, people are very complex. So, so open up to the idea that we're discussing how real people behave, but don't feel like we're judging, you know, you in this discussion. Yeah. I, I feel like life is messy. And I, I think that, I don't think that Terry is trying to convince anybody that this is okay. She's just saying that, Hey, life is crazy. And even though I had this pretty awful relationship there were tidbits of love in there that where you could you could tweeze out some of the positives and although maybe ed her um deceased ex-husband went about it the wrong way of showing his love that might have been the only way that he knew how because that was the only way that he saw love expressed you know maybe in his childhood or something and i think that's the point she's trying to make is that we're all just trying to find our way to express our love some ways are better than others, obviously. Remember our talks where we've talked about Dick and Jane and how it's just like, you know, oh, the, the married couple in the suburbs with the two kids, the boy and the girl and the cat and the dog. Like, not White everyone. White picket house. <laughs> yeah, the white picket. Exactly. Not everybody has this this picturesque, perfect life. Like, like people want to see themselves in stories. And I think Terry's like that uppercut. Not not uh, adding on to what you were saying, I think she also shows how when we're in relationships, it can cause trauma to us, but we can still find and recuperate and still find happiness afterwards, right? Like, I think we think Mel and Terry are happy after this, and I think this shows that even if you have trauma, you can potentially grow past it, too, in some ways. Well, I think you have to in order to to love somebody i think that's showing that mel and terry do genuinely love each other because they were able to get past this together and this this helped strengthen their love because they yeah. supported each other through this you know very traumatic event the story shifts a couple times i'm gonna read you a quote the afternoon sun was like a presence in this room the spacious light of ease and generosity we could have been anywhere Somewhere enchanted, we raised our glasses again and grinned at each other like children who had agreed on something forbidden. 
Now, anyone besides me think that this was at, at night? I don't know, like when the kids are asleep, like when he, when she, like they were talking about like the sunlight in the room. I'm like, wait, they're day drinking? Like, oh, snap, Carver. <laughs> <laughs> but but what is this quote though? Like, what is this forbidden agreement with the sunlight even in the picture? I kind of took that as that they're finally all agreeing that they maybe don't have the answers, and that they're okay with that, um, that they're enjoying their company, and that each of them can define love how they see fit at this point in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think even later on that kind of reinforces that it says it ought to make us feel ashamed when we talk like we know what we're talking about when we talk about love. And I think that's exactly to your point, an argument that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have different opinions and it's okay to think a certain way, even though when you look around the room, like if, if you're just like an alien coming down to trying to understand these humans and what they think of relationships, it's just like, whoa, why does every single one have like a different view and none of them agree? This is kind of strange. Yet they can still find love. They can still find happiness sometimes, even if they don't even agree with each other in that relationship sometimes. I mean, yeah, the four letter word love is probably the most complex word we know or whatever word you use in your language for love, isn't it like the most complex idea there is? Because you can't define it. Well, is that further evidence too of the limitations of language, right? The fact that language is, is just bewitching, I think sometimes. You can trick people with it, you can mislead people with it, and it can also totally fail to express like a very subjective feeling that we have with it, with, with each other, even in ourselves, I think. And that's the thing is feelings. Feelings are tough to describe to yourself because you have to know yourself and then to be able to describe those feelings to another person who mm -hmm. even know how close you are to your wife. She has different views, different thoughts, different feelings, everything, right? And she's a complex person. How are those two things going to meld together as one? Like that's impossible. And you're trying to cram that into one word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, well, we have famous authors and artists and painters, everybody trying to define this through their craft. And I don't know if anybody has successfully ever done it, except for maybe an Anna Kay. <laughs> <laughs> you love that. All right. Um, what about, what about non-words, right? So we have Laura and Nick who are the newlyweds and I'm just sorry. <laughs> don't give any advice as a newlywed. Wait for a little bit. I'm just saying. <laughs> That because twist is... I did not see coming because I thought they had all been friends for a really long time. I thought this was like, you know, you, me, and our wife sitting down. We've known each other, you know, going to be close to a decade here soon. The One of the person in this group has been there for 18 months or something. Like, that seems very fresh. Like, how could you even know somebody well enough to understand how they love and how they receive love? So that just seems very messy to throw into the mix. And I'm just like, oh, Carver not pulling any punches of throwing the newlyweds in there. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about the group dynamics of it. I was thinking about just like the newlywed aspect of like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about yet. And what's interesting is you probably noticed how there's a lot of nonverbal cues between them, right? Like the way they touch each other's hands or put their hand on each other's thighs. It's this nonverbal communication and reassurance. And it made me even kind of question like, how do we 
understand, define, delineate between like physical intimacy and emotional intimacy? Where and when do those two start and stop? How does one reflect the other? But either way, I think we can all agree that there's like this feeling, I think, at least I had in the story, that Laura and Nick were still connected, even though they weren't expressing it verbally. It was that nonverbal reassurance and communication that there was still intimacy of some sort there. Yeah, and I'm going to butcher this, and I'd have to ask my wife, and she could say it much better, but it's when you're in a relationship for the first however long, and she could tell you better because that's what she does for a living, but there's this idea that you are in love with the idea of the person. You're not in love with the person for quite some time because that just literally takes time. And I don't know the exact dynamics, and I think it's probably different for every relationship, um, depending on a lot of factors, you know, age, how you were brought up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I don't know if newlyweds of 18 months is a long enough time to be past a certain point of how one loves to be past that in love stage and just in the love stage of a relationship. So that just kind of, that irked me a little bit. I loved it. I thought it was genius. Um, but yeah, to your point of where does that line blur of they're just still infatuated with each other, right? I mean, they, they're just starting to get things going, so to speak. It's so hard for me to, like every inch of my bone just kind of like agrees with a lot of your statements, right? But then, like, there's these cultures that, like, you got to remember, we're we're in this American culture. We're in this dating lifestyle, right. this mentality. This is a modern story. Like, I kind of kind of connect with how we connect with each other, and I agree with a lot of what you said. But then there's, like, the, okay, let's step out of that. And when when you and I look at arranged marriages, I think we have a very Western view of it. But when you look like that's still a normal practice in a lot of Eastern cultures. Like if you look in India, they'll have like, you know, an interview, they'll have a, maybe a couple of sessions with someone like th there are true, true love relationships. Like, don't get me wrong, but a rain, I don't want to say the word arranged, but the, the cycle is scheduled. It, it's well, it's so, it's so yeah. fast, right? Like you meet them a couple of times, you interview the family and then it's like, okay, we're, we're getting married. And, and that, and, and who am I to say, like that, that could or couldn't work. Obviously it's working on a level, but like, what does that mean that they're able to make that decision so fast? Like even before they even have an idea of the person and they still make it work. And here we are struggling, like sometimes dating people for years, trying to make decisions. Like I don't understand relationships at all. The older I get, the more I learn about all the different ways that people look at the word love. Well, I think that's, something that's very different there is the idea of a relationship in love because I think that, and that speaks to more what Terry and Ed have was there was a relationship there and there might've been love, but maybe it was one sided. Uh, but I think that's what maybe we're moving into the idea of true love it is, does that adjective make a difference to love? Can you love and it not be true? Or do you need true love for love to actually exist? I know that's a little bit of semantics, but I think it's important mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, a, a lot of that like arranged marriage stuff, the people eventually come to love each other or do they just appreciate the relationship with one another? And that that's something that I took a lot out of this story was those relationships and how they could or could not maybe be defined by love. 
because I don't think all relationships are, i.e. Terry and Ed. Okay. Okay. Let's move to the crash scene, right? Because we have the story about how the, the old couple get into an accident with this young kid. I don't know if we're supposed to feel catharsis, the fact that the a kid that was drinking and driving didn't make it. I, I don't know. I started to, to kind of get a little bit worried at the end when the, this couple at the table are drinking so much gin <laughs> and getting drunk and written ready to drive and go out. They're like, we're going to slam a bunch of shots and then we're going to go drive. I'm like, oh, crap. Are they going to turn out like that kid? Like, I, I started to get a little bit worried there. Oh, yeah. But, but then, you know, okay, we, we have a little bit more of a, a different turn here where we hear the story about the old couple and they don't think they're going to make it. But Mel's like, they're fighters. I know they're fighters. And he says, I don't know what love is, but when that old man was was just needing to see his wife and they're like the full body cast and he can't even see his wife and that's killing him, he's like, that's love. Like like that, that the, the desire of it. What did you think of that? I didn't take it so much as desire, but I thought kind of back to what I said before is when you're newly in a relationship and you're infatuated with them and you want to spend every moment, you think about them all the time, you're, you know, physically attracted to them. You're thinking about intimacy with them all the time. That's very new and fresh. But it gets to the point where you rely on that person because they become so much a part of yourself, you know, where I, I, I need my wife. You know, she she is literally my better half. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I felt like this was them saying that a relationship and more importantly, love takes work. And so he's saying these two were fighters, and they weren't necessarily fighting for their life. They were fighting for their love. I know that's cheesy, but that's how I kind of took yeah, it. Yeah, you got <laughs> you got super 90s movies on me there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. We have the knight story, too, about the knight that literally dies of a heart attack because he's, like, stuck in that armor. And I couldn't help but kind of, like, lay those two over each other, like the old man in the full-body cast, the knight in the full-body armor, both isolated from the outside world, both isolated from love that if your heart can't reach with someone else, you die of a heart attack. Mel, the cardiologist, it, it seems like there's some play there with how, if you are isolated and you have the armor, the cast, or you just shield yourself from connecting with others, that it will kill you almost in a sense. Is kind of the feeling that I got. I mean, it's that idea of, uh, I mean, I don't know the exact percentages, so don't quote me, but I know that there are studies done that a lot of men do not live past their wives. They just, they die. They're just, they, they can't, they, they, their heart just gives out. Like they literally die of a broken heart. Um, I mean, that, that happens to a lot of widowers. Isn't there a little you know? bit of irony too with the fact that Mel's a cardiologist, specializes in the heart, <laughs> fixing the heart, and he can't like describe or understand certain parts and i know the brain emotions and the heart is literature it, it, it's representative of emotions but there's irony there that he can't like fix these emotional problems these these problems of the heart if you will yeah i mean i guess that's the part of it like even somebody so familiar intimate with the heart in a literary sense still doesn't get it even the best of the best uh, a, a love surgeon, so to speak, can't figure it out. So how am I, a hopeless romantic, going to figure it out? Just some slub. Dude, he's <laughs> <Thanks> like Carver. <laughs> he's uh he's the Doctor Strange of this story, right? Like the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right.
So the daylight gets long and it becomes harder for Mel to read the bottle, harder for Laura to light the yeah, cigarette. Yeah, they're getting trashed, right? The, the, the narration <laughs> says, maybe we were a little drunk by then. Maybe you drunk, peep. <laughs> now, I had a question. I didn't understand. What was the background setting of them drinking, serving a narrative purpose or what was the other purpose of them basically getting drunk to talk about love? I was a little bit confused there. What was your thoughts? Well, well there's there's a boring answer of just like, well, it's a Carver story, so it's going to have smoking or drinking. <laughs> Congratulations. You got drinking in this one, right? Um, okay, give me the better one then. I don't may, like that maybe one. Maybe the better answer is, how do is alcohol always a bad thing? Because... There, there are times where it's a smoothener, right? Like you think about when you were in your 20s. I will tell you, I won't speak for you. I know a lot of people personally, myself included, that tended to use alcohol to allow myself to feel more comfortable in social situations, to allow oh. myself to open up to potentially women that I was anxious around that I couldn't do without. And that seems like oh. a good thing in some yeah. levels. Oh, brother. That was liquid courage, as they say, yeah. because yeah. I could not talk to girls and and if if I was you know sober and I would yeah, I would have anxiety and I would get sweaty palms and uh, I would just get in my own head. and so that that gave you know it, it settled my nerves. So yeah, I guess that it's settling their inhibitions in the story to allow them to speak about something that is very personal to maybe somebody that is not their quote lover. But then at the same time, that's not to say it's all rosy and, and beautiful, right? Because sometimes when you right. drink too much, you might become a little bit too more blunt, right? Like by lowering those inhibitions, you might say something you regret. Some things you think you don't actually want to say. And guess what, buddy? When you're drinking too much, that comes out. <laughs> oh, we know that all too well on this channel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes our third edit, and fourth please. video. Edit, please. Edit, Una. Edit me. <laughs> third, third and fourth videos don't turn out too well sometimes. But to, to me, so, okay, in the same way that the cast and the night kind of reflect each other, so too doesn't the alcohol and the way that um, people start to react differently and break down or uh, confess and open up also have a problem with how people are connecting in the story about what is the definition of love. Because in the beginning of the story, they're all so sure, right, that being a cardiologist, he had the right of way, like to tell people how it is. And we start to see the digressions and the problems about how they don't all think the same thing of what is love. And that's even further compounded with light. Like, did you notice the usage of light in this story? Yeah, you've mentioned it several times throughout uh, kind of those, they were the the staging grounds, I guess, of the story, where every time you saw light mentioned, there was a shift in the story or a tonal change mm -hmm. of how the conversation was going. And I really enjoyed that. I felt like it was kind of like, oh, oh, oh. We're going we're gonna to have a movement here or somebody's going to have an epiphany or they're going to have a nice discussion or argument shift uh, about how they feel of love. And it was a nice little uh, segue I felt built into the story. Very yeah, beautiful. I, I pulled out just the light parts just to kind of see what that did. So first we had the light got thinner in the room. Then the light was draining from the room. You had the line eat or not eat or keep drinking. I could head right out into the sunset. Then we had the line, none of them got to turn on the overhead light because it was getting too dark. And then it closes with the final line of the story is, I could hear my heart beating. I could hear everyone's heart. 
I could hear the human noise we sat there making, not one of us moving, not even when the room went dark. So in the beginning, it's so bright. We, we have this courage and this, this knowledge of, of what is love to us. And then as soon as we start to combine that with other people, the light starts draining from the room. We're trying to head into the light. We're trying to head into that sunset where it's bright and obvious and clear and defined, right? Light defines things. And as they start to exchange thoughts and and the alcohol kicks in and they're speaking their truth, they're speaking their mind, it starts getting darker and none of them want to reach to even turn on artificial light. It just keeps getting darker and darker until they're sitting there drunk in the dark where they all realize we couldn't convince anyone or anyone couldn't define on what the heck is love. So I don't know, I don't know what, what, what Carver intended, but it's clear that like the definition of the story is, is bright in the beginning. And by the end, when everything's messy and things are not coming to decisions, it's all dark, right? So it kind of, there's so many layers to this story that I think it makes it easy to connect with. Yeah, at the very end there, when they're all sitting in the dark, you can imagine they're just kind of hearing the breathing and the heartbeats, and there's an absence of light, and that absence of light is that that absence of light is the absence of knowledge that they really don't mm. know. And I love I love the word you used is that artificial light. Had somebody gone over and hit the switch and turned on that artificial light, it might have given them artificial knowledge. You know? Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, let me ask you one more question. I didn't have a ton on this one, but what did you think about Nick hearing the heartbeats? What what does that mean? I don't know. Nick is a very complex character, and and I was, I don't know, he seems like kind of like the jerk of the story, and I didn't know if this was kind of, for me, him being softened of like, wow, maybe I don't know everything that he's coming to terms that he is growing as a person in this very new relationship. Hmm. It's Nick is interesting because we also never really get knowledge from Nick. Like we don't know how he feels about Mel's comments. Like he doesn't open up. He's, he was that nonverbal guy, right? Like it's, it's hard to know who Nick is to me and it's hard to know what does it mean that like he has superhuman hearing suddenly, <laughs> like there's obviously some metaphor at play. Like you're like, to your point, like, is he opening up to hearing their hearts because now he's seeing how they view love. And, and, and we've agreed that hearts are metaphorical representations in literature that, yep. that he's seeing how they love maybe differently. I like that. That's, that's, that's an interesting thought. So I guess that brings us to the, the, the big question of the whole story. What is love for you, Una? <laughs> I uh I'm gonna steal this one person. She she gave an excellent answer where I think I've told you before that my view is caring for someone else. Like you're always putting them first. And to, to me that yep. that's the ultimate expression. And she made this comment, she goes, People will tell you love is fifty fifty, but it's they're wrong. She said, Love is one hundred to one hundred to one hundred, where I give a hundred percent of giving to my significant other what they need, and I know and trust that they're going to give a hundred percent of what I need, and that's that's her expression. And I was like, I'm stealing that. That's my now. That's my definition now. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh... Uh, I guess for love, for me, is the same thing. It, it's caring about somebody else more than you care about yourself. But I think that. Love is so complex and messy. I don't think that you can ever truly define it um, because there's so many different types of love, right? I mean, 
I love my PS5. I love you. I love our audience. Uh, I love my wife. I love my niece, my goddaughter. I love my mom. Uh, I love my father-in-law. I love uh, my, my wife's, you know, grandfather, Pop. There's sort of different types of love, right? Um, I love my dogs. It's it's it's. I think it's too complex to explain. I think it's just when you try to put feelings into word, it's impossible. And if you ever do figure it out, uh, you're gonna have the greatest poem or story ever. So good luck with that. But um, <laughs> I think we should do the best to uh, try to love each other the best the way that we know how. However, you know how to do that in a positive manner, unlike Ed from the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Carver playlist down below. What story do you think we should cover of him next? If you enjoyed today's talk but aren't sure what to say, if you just left a heart emoji down below, it would really help us out, and I'd appreciate it. My name's Ben Una. Peace out. Love. Love.